We are continuing our series on end season, the fruit of the Spirit. I just want to kind of start out first and talk about, has anybody ever had a stressful day in your life? All right, look, there's several hands that are up there. How many of you had more than your fair share of those stressful days, all right? Well, let me, uh, let me just go through some seri- scenarios here. Oh, there we go. Has anybody ever had a, a nightmare travel story where your flight got canceled or delayed and then you missed your connecting flight? And Anybody ever sleep in the airport? Oh, man, isn't that miserable? <laughs> it's like they do not make those chairs to sleep in. And, and I've seen, I think you have to be young, I've seen people contort their bodies and sleep on that thing. But what a horrible, what a horrible situation, right? How about a family holiday that did not turn out the way you thought it was going to turn out? Come on. How many of you know, it's like, oh, well, we're going to have Thanksgiving or Christmas at our house, and then after it's over, you're like, never again. Anybody ever been there? I think this little photo, I got it off the internet with stage because grandma's over here smiling. Let me tell you, if this was for real, Grandma would not be smiling. That's all I know. So uh, how about a vacation that did not go as planned? Let's go to the beach. And the storm said the same thing. Let's go to the beach, right? I'll tell you, for the several years that we lived in Hawaii, there's a rainy season and there's a a not rainy season, right? And the tickets are cheaper during the rainy season for some reason because it could rain every single day of the month. And in California, we're like, what's that like? Right? But uh, uh, I remember there's people who would come, oh, man, I'm so excited. And then, you know, they get three hours of sun for their whole time there. Not a fun vacation, right? How about this one? Anybody ever have a bad day at work? <laughs> Is that, that's a bad day at work, right? This is not how I plan. I actually got a little video that I want to show you that uh, shows some other uh, bad days at work. So uh, hold on as we get that one rolling here. <laughs> Anybody want his job? This one's on a boat here, if you can't tell. All right. Anybody have one of those bad days at work? That's not exactly. Let me tell you, for me, maybe you guys can identify a thing that stresses me out. Uh, Doesn't do it as bad as it used to, but uh, occasionally it still gets me, is uh, traffic. Anybody love that, right? And I'm not talking about slow down traffic where, you know, if you're still going 30 miles an hour, I can deal with that because there's movement. 
I'm talking about the traffic that you're stopped and go, right? And, and when I go, it's like, go, <laughs> right? Just a little bit at a time. Let me tell you, there's nothing like traffic that can steal your joy quicker. At least for me, I remember this was back when we were living in Chico. We were able to go for a, a few-day getaway in Monterey, and it was so nice, so peaceful. I was just enjoying it. And then we had to go home, which is driving up through the Bay Area, which is usually about a little over four-hour trip from uh, Monterey to Chico. And uh, those two hours going through the Bay Area, which would have normally taken us, was more like four, four and a half hours. And let me tell you, I was like white-knuckling it. And whatever peace and joy I had from Monterey was gone. It was absolutely vanished, and I just have to say, I lost my joy. I was not rejoicing in the Lord. We might have had Christian music playing, but I was not singing to it. Let me just be honest with you, right? So two weeks ago, we started this series on the fruit of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is evidence to others that God is working in your life. So I want to rehash the verse here, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he says, against these there are no law. So the person who is following Jesus has the Holy Spirit at work in their life. And these are the results. These things will be evident in your life. And, and let me just say this. that the fruit of Spirit, it's not optional. You can't like pick and choose. It's not like a fruit stand, right? You go up to the fruit, it's like, oh, you know what? I'll take a pear, I'll take an apple, banana, but I don't want any of that other stuff. How many of you know you can't do that with the fruit of the Spirit? You can't say, I'll have some of that peace and some of that joy, but I don't want the patience. Right? I don't know about that self-control. Let somebody else know. All of that needs to be evident. And, and the goal really in life is to be so close to Jesus that all of this fruit begins to be evident in your life. And, and it's not like something that I got to produce. Oh, I got to produce uh, a peace. You know? No, you don't have to do it. If the Holy Spirit is in you, let me back up. The Holy Spirit does that on the inside of you. And all of these things will naturally start coming out as we follow him. So why is that important? Uh, can I just say, if you're telling and you're sharing the gospel with somebody else, uh, how many of you realize you can't separate the message from the messenger? Right? If you're, if you're a grumpy Gus and you're trying to tell somebody about Jesus, how many of you know that doesn't fly? Because our lifestyle will either qualify or disqualify the message in our life. It has to be evident in our attitude has to be evident in our words, our reaction, the way we treat other people. How many of you know that's important? So today, we're going to be talking about the second fruit of the Spirit, which is joy. Last week, if you missed it, it is online. We talked about peace, and that was represented by a cherry. Uh, the reason we skipped ahead and moved that one is because cherry season was wrapping up. How many of you know, my wife said this week, cherry season is over. All right, so I'm glad I, everybody got cherries last week. The reason it represented that is because, because peace in your life has health benefits, doesn't it? Lower blood pressure, uh, lower anxiety, lower stress. The cherry has got health benefits, so it represented that. The first week I talked about love. Love is represented by strawberries just because that's kind of the love fruit. You give that out on Halloween. Or Halloween. <laughs> Valentine's, wedding anniversary, whatever it is. I don't know why Halloween popped in my mind. Maybe that's for somebody with their love. I don't know. But uh, So today we are talking about joy. 
And obviously, you can tell it is represented by a coconut. So, you know, two weeks ago, everybody got strawberry. Everybody got cherries last week. You're not all getting a coconut. Okay. Just so you know, but I do have an almond joy for everybody, right? It's got coconut and it's got joy. So I just thought, what a great thing to give everybody. If you don't like the almond in it, somebody said, why didn't you give them mounds? I'm like, because there's no joy in that. Right. <laughs> right? There's almond joy. If you don't like the almond, peel it off and eat the rest of it right there. But why, why the coconut? Why would that represent joy? And we all know that the coconut's got a tough outer shell. Anybody ever try to open that? It's not that easy. You have to take some hard tools to it sometimes. But, but the reason it represents joy is because think about happiness. Happiness comes and goes. Just like me drive Monterey, oh, it's so peaceful. Traffic, where'd my happiness go? Right? Like instantly. But joy is like the coconut because difficult things will happen in your life, challenging situations. But guess what? If you really have joy, it can't crack through. It's not going to get to the inside. On the inside is all the soft, tender meat of the coconut. And that's really what joy is. It's like this protection against the circumstances and difficulties of life. You can go through it and you can still have joy. You can still have it operating in your life. Amen? I'm going to give you guys, some of you guys, anybody here, how many of you guys grew up in church? Several of you? There's some songs I'm going to test to see if you remember, especially going way back into kids' church, and see if you guys remember this. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Oh, see, my goodness, you guys like jumped on that. How about your, the favorite verse of that was, if the devil doesn't like it, he can... Oh, ouch, right? Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. I thought about the devil doesn't like he can set on attack. That's not a lot of pain. Why can't we get something bigger to impale him with, right? But then I thought that's probably not a good song for kids, so maybe that's why we stuck there. But, so that was one of the songs. Another one that, uh, that I remember, the joy, of the, the, joy, uh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. Now, Nothing wrong with that part, but then all of a sudden you get down in the verse and it's like, if you want joy, you must sing for it or clap for it or jump for it. Or uh, the one that I really didn't like was the laugh for it because it was always followed by ha, 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 ha. And you're having to do that. It's like, I I didn't like that because there's something seriously theologically wrong with that song. Right? What's wrong with it? Uh, how many of you know you can sing all day long? That doesn't mean you're going to get joy. Right? You can clap. Come on, where's my joy? I'm doing it and I'm jumping. Where's my joy? I want joy. Right? How many of you know you're not going to get it that way? It doesn't come from whatever action that we try to do. Uh, joy, real joy, comes from Jesus. That's the only place that you can really get that. And let me just say it's easy to be joyful when everything's going your way, right? When your kids are doing well and the dog likes you and, and the weather is in the 70s and, and you go to the fair and it's nice out there, right? How many of you love that? I mean, joy, yay. When it's 100 and 110 and everything's not good. How many of you know those are easy? But then, let me just say, there are those other days that want to come and steal your joy. Your, uh, your car breaks down. Uh, you get into one of those discussions with your spouse. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 
That's a nice way of saying, we don't, we, nobody argues, we just have a, a discussion. Uh, things aren't going your way. Anybody ever been unfairly attacked? No. Right? Accused? How many of you know? Boom, right? That's a hit. Mo- your motives are questioned. Oh, I know why you did that. You did that. And it's like, no, no. And you can't even defend yourself. Those of you that have a 401k, how many of you know when you're seeing the stock market go down, you're seeing that thing dropping? How many of you know that's a hammer? Like, don't even look at the internet or don't even look at check your stuff right now. I'm telling you because it's like, boom, you know. Uh, Things that you thought were secure aren't. People disappoint you. People let you down, right? Anybody ever been disappointed? You get betrayed by a close friend. And we always kind of likened it to somebody that came up and gave you a hug, but they had a knife in their hand stabbing you in the back. Like, thanks for the hug, right? You lose somebody close, right? Like a bad day, how many of you know, can quickly turn into a bad week? And your bad week can quickly turn into a bad month. Your bad month can turn into a bad year. So how do you have coconut joy in the midst of all of that? Eating coconuts, right? Well, that's what we want to look at in the verse is, uh, that I'm going to be in most of the day. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. Now, always be joyful. That sounds great, doesn't it? Uh, and, and you may be saying, okay, God, I'll bargain with you as long as you bless me and you make things go well in my life. No problem, God. You've done your part. I'll be joyful. Right? Wouldn't that be wonderful, right? Yeah. Sometimes we view this as a command that we have to obey as long as everything's going good. But that's not how it is. Joy is not a whenever my life is good fruit. That's not what it is. If we understand who Paul is talking to in the Thessalonians, you know, the Thessalonians were the people that lived in the city of Thessalonica. And they had things going on. And if we understand Paul's telling them to be joyful always, right? Always be joyful. Well, what was this, uh, what was this group of people going through when Paul wrote this letter? We need to understand that this church was enduring a lot of suffering and persecution that was going on. And Paul, uh, if you were here last week, I talked about, you know, shipwrecked at sea for three times, beaten numerously, left for dead, uh, stoned with rocks. He understood what challenges and suffering were about, right? And he's the one that said that they were suffering, severe suffering. Look what he did when he started the letter out in the first chapter. He says, you received the message, and that's talking about the gospel, the good news, with joy from the Holy Spirit. And look what he says, in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. So it wasn't just suffering, it was severe. We don't know exactly everything that they were going, that was going on, uh, but we do know with the history and the scripture that the Thessalonians, they were struggling. And they told Paul, you need to get out of here. They were concerned that, that uh, Paul was going to get killed. So they told him to leave. And so what happens, this church that Paul started, a bunch of new believers, they had very little support, very little leadership in the midst of persecution. They put their faith in him. They're being hunted down. They're being imprisoned. They're being persecuted. How many of you think, well, that doesn't happen to us in America right now? Can I just say, at least for right now, that's happening in other parts of the world. That's some severe suffering that's going on. And you've got to understand that these people, they're not mature, lifelong followers of Christ. They haven't, like, for all of their lives, oh, man, I've been serving the Lord. And I did this through the first service. I had some people that, long time, how many of you guys have been serving the Lord more than 20 years? All right, look at those hands. What about more than 50 years? Look at those hands. What about more than 60 years? 
Ah, look at that, several hands. That's amazing. How many of you, I mean, I started thinking about this. This coming October will be 40 years. I was 16 years old when I first accepted Christ. So I'm thinking, 40 years, that's amazing. Now, I'm not perfect, I'm not mature, uh, but I'm still growing. But how many of you know when you've been serving God longer, you learn a little bit of stuff? You understand a little bit about how the enemy attacks and the things that he does to your life, the way he tries to bring you down and knock you out. And it's like you begin to grow a little bit. But, but like the Apostle Paul, who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, he was mature, but he says this in Philippians, not that I've already obtained this or been made perfect, but I still press on to take hold of what Christ Jesus took hold of me. He's still growing. He's not saying, oh, I'm so mature, I got it all figured out. You are not going to meet that person on this side of heaven. Every one of us are still in the process, but the point is, you know, when you have grown and spent some time in the Lord, it does, it's a little bit harder for the enemy to knock you out, right? But these were young believers, not even close to maturity, uh, anyone in maturity to help them, and Paul is writing a letter to encourage them, to give them further instructions. So that's kind of the, uh, the setting of this letter is brand new believers who are enduring persecution, being threatened with death, following Jesus. That's intense, right? And the tone of the letter, if you read through the whole letter of First and Second Thessalonians, is Paul basically saying, I know times are tough, I know you're suffering, and I want you to remember that Jesus is coming back. You're not living just for this life, you're living for the next life. So in the meantime, live your life in such a way that you are different from those around you. Different. So what should we do? What should our attitude be in these difficult times? How should a follower of Christ respond when hardship, when it comes, when suffering or persecution, or maybe just a bad day? Oh, I had a bad day. I'm just going to be grumpy today. How many of you know that even goes before you've had your coffee? (laughs) Don't talk to me until I had my coffee. You know, it's like, no, coffee should not be your joy. Can I tell you? I like coffee. I drink it almost every morning, uh, but that is not my joy. Jesus is my joy. Amen? I'm not an anti-coffee person, just believe me. You know I drink it. So anyway, uh, how should we act? Again, I'm going to go back to that verse right there. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will. So even in their hardship, Paul is reminding them the importance of the fruit of the spirit of joy. You got to remember, the fruit is something that it doesn't just happen overnight. How many of you know coconut doesn't grow overnight? To have that kind of joy is a result of a deep relationship with Christ. You begin to grow. The enemy and others, other situations, yes, they're going to pound at you. You're going to have it. It's going to happen. I guarantee it. The enemy will try to chop down and break open your joy. But I believe to maintain your joy, you've got to remember some of these principles that we're going to cover today. So, number one, when I think about joy, a lot of times I think about things that happen. So, I got another video that I want to show you guys real quick. Yeah. But then my sister and I were eating them at the restaurant. You know, a real wayfinder never of you know there's something about a kid's laughter especially when it's my grandson that uh that just brings a lot of joy to you doesn't it it's like 
and, and, and I love as much as I enjoy that joy. How many of you know that, uh, that, that joy, real joy, is deeper than that? Right? It's so much deeper. So number one in your notes, uh, joy is not circumstance-based. It's not based on the circumstance. It's not based on what we have. It's not based on all the conditions of my life being great. That'd be wonderful, right? But that's not a reality. We live in a world where there are so many circumstances in life that are beyond our ability to do anything about. All right? Anybody, can anyone control the weather? We can't make it rain. I don't care how hard you dance. I'm doing a rain. Even if you wash your car, that doesn't mean it's going to rain. We've tried that as well. Uh, maybe you go on a picnic. It's like, oh, let's do a picnic. And if it gets rained on, how many of you know most of the part of the country people get upset? Here in California, we're like, yes, we'll do a picnic in the rain, right? We're, not a, we're worried about that. We'll take it. So uh, uh, other people get upset. We don't understand that. But if your flight does get canceled because of a severe thunderstorm, do we get mad about that and lose our patience over it? I mean, we can't control the thunderstorm. And I, think of, I was thinking about this, would you rather, okay, don't cancel my flight, let me go ahead and fly into that intense thunderstorm with tornadoes. I would rather do that, right? How many of you know that didn't work out so well for Dorothy and her flying house? Here's my encouragement. Don't allow circumstances and situations that are beyond your control to steal your joy. You just, it's like, okay, God, this is the situation. And you may say, listen, pastor, you don't understand. What I'm going through in my life is worse than a, a delayed flight or rain on my picnic. But I want to ask you, maybe it is, but does your bad attitude make it better? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Can I tell you what your bad attitude does do? It makes you and everybody else miserable. It doesn't help the situation at all. So we've got to choose joy. So how do I do that? I know I'm kind of getting to it. How do, I, how do I have this joy in my life? And that's number two in your notes. You've got to know that joy comes from knowing you're not alone. I think sometimes we go through things in difficulty and we feel like we're, I mean, honestly, we feel like we're alone sometimes. Am I right? You can't deny the feeling, but how many of you know sometimes our feelings are wrong? If you relied always on your feeling, how many of you know we would be all over the place? So we got to go back to the things that we know to be true. God's word speaks truth to our life, and we have to sometimes speak that over our life, especially if you are feeling alone. If you're going through difficulties and challenges, this is a great one to memorize out of here, out of Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. God is saying, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. Look at God's ownership over us. He says, when you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. Then look what he says. When you're between a rock and a hard place, anybody ever been there? Yep. All right. He says, it won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for you. How many of you know the price he paid was the blood of his son? That's a big price. If he was willing to pay that, do you think God's going to like, hey, I, I just bought. Think about it this. If you just bought uh, a million dollar whatever, car or whatever, how many of you know you would make sure you take care of that, all right? If you got like a $100 car from somebody and somebody opens their car door on you, you're like, yeah, no big deal. God paid a high price for us. And so he's watching over us. He cares about us. We are not alone. Look what it says in Psalms 511. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you, surround them with favor as with a shield. See, that's why as a follower of Christ, we can have joy even in the worst of times. 
right? Because he promised to be with us. In fact, I believe it's during those times that we can feel his presence even more. Anybody, you've experienced that, right? During those times, you're really going through it. It's like if you reach out to him, it's like, whoa, God, you are like right here. Doesn't mean the circumstance is gone, but you can sense God's presence right there. And I know because I've done this, you go through difficult situations and you don't understand it. And we always ask God this, why? Why, God? Why am I going through this? Why is that happening? But I'll tell you what, when you know that God is with you, we can, in spite of it, we can still have joy. Why? Because God sees us. He's right there. God sees the big picture of your life. Amen? We see a little microcosm of right here and right now. God sees the future. He sees our needs. He sees where he's taking us in the trials and challenges that you and I face. It's not so much about us. It's about what God's doing in us. God's preparing us for something, right? Think about think If you knew the future, how many of you would make different changes, right? We'd make different decisions, but we can have joy even when our financial situation's not going well, right? Even when you face death and have betrayal, whatever it is, if you're going through a long-term sickness, persecution, whatever it is, we can have joy in the middle of it, all of it, because we know that, that God will use even our difficult circumstances to bring him glory. God, you're going to use it. So I want to tell you a story about a man that was at our church in Chico, his name was Bill Kersey, and I got a picture of him up here. Our kids will remember him well because he was doing you. There's a lot of funny stories about him, but one of the things is this is pretty much what he looked like all the time. A big smile on his face, no matter where he went, he just had the joy of the Lord all over him. And not only that, this is him on the beach with a guitar. Let me say, he, anywhere he went, his guitar went with him. And he didn't play on the worship team. He wasn't the greatest guitar player. But you ne- he, he's like, you never know when there's going to be an opportunity to sing joy, something to the Lord. And I remember he came to help us move into our house, pulled up in his car, and he helped us. And all of a sudden, he disappeared for a little bit, but he came back with his guitar. And he started singing a blessing over our house. And it was just, that was just how he was. He was just such a joyful person. And I remember the day that he got diagnosed with cancer. That smile never changed. He started losing weight, uh, started getting sicker, but he was still just such a joyful person in the hospital. I would go to visit him, and uh, all of the nurses were like, oh, you're going to Bill's. He's such a great... I mean, how they he encouraged them and built them up, and they're sitting there taking it. He's got that big smile, and I remember one of the last times, actually, probably the last time I actually was able to go visit with him, I went in there talking with him. And I was like, I was getting ready to say, hey, Bill, I want to pray with you. And he reaches my hand. His hands had gotten skinnier and bonier. And he started praying over me and praying a blessing over me. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm thinking, I'm supposed to be praying for you. But I feel like I walked away more blessed. And I'm like, you know, what an incredible demonstration of the fruit of the joy of the Spirit. And I know some people may say, well, you know what, that was probably just his personality. How many of you met people like that? Man, they just got the joy all over them. It's not just a personality. Because I think we can have an excuse and say, oh, you know, for not having the joy, uh, fruit of joy, that's a shallow excuse, isn't it? Because we have it all available to every one of us. God is working in us. And let me tell you, he, it's been over 10 years since he passed away. But I'll tell you what, I still remember his smile. 
I mean, it would be our birthday, and he would come up and put his hand, him and his wife would start singing a song over on your birthday blessing, and it was like, it was a little awkward and a little cool at the same time. How I many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, okay, I don't really have a lot of people praying and laying their hand on me and singing, but you know what? It was just so genuine, and uh, so genuine. So I want that kind of joy in my life. So it comes from understanding, even if you're going through cancer, even if you're going through the worst situation in your life, you can have joy. I believe that cancer was trying to hit at him, uh, but I think his coconut was about 10 times thicker. Couldn't get through. His joy was, was there, and, uh, and it shone through to so many people. The, the next one, joy comes from having a long-term perspective. Amen? So how many of you know there are times that we very, get very nearsighted when it comes to our faith? right? Like we can see things up close, personal, but we can't see what's going on in the future. And we're, a lot of times we live life like, oh man, what's happening right here and now will determine if I have joy. Oh man, I don't have enough money in the bank. My transmission went out. All of these, see that and we lose our joy. But if you're going to really get joy, you got to be able to look down the road. You got to be able to see what is God doing in my life? Where is God taking me? And you may not know all of it, but you know God is still there. And I think about Jesus as our example. In Hebrews 12, it says, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiate, perfects our faith. Why? Because it says, The joy awaiting him, he endured the cross and disregarded its shame. So you got to really think about, what was the joy awaiting him? It wasn't the throne. Yes, eventually he got back to the throne, but how many of you know he started on the throne? That's not what he was looking forward to. There was a joy awaiting him that helped him endure all the pain and the shame of the cross. And I believe that it was because through time, he saw the day when he would set each one of us free. Right? He saw the day you would surrender your life to Christ. He saw the day when you would be set free from, from the bondage of sin. And that is what pushed him through. It's like, I can do it. Someday, I'm gonna, I remember, I know the day JR is going to give his life to me. I know when Joshua is, you know. I know when that day is. And that gave enough for Jesus to say, I can endure this. I can go through this. Why? Because how many of you realize you and I are his joy? All right, everybody say that. I am God's joy. Whether you realize it or not, you may be a disappointment to your parents. You may be a disappointment to your own self. But let me tell you, God says, you're my joy. And it was because of you that I stayed on the cross. That's him. I mean, let me just put it into perspective. The only way I know how. So when I was in the military full time, when I, well, before I went full time, I, I joined the Army Reserves. That was in February 1987. And, you know, they run you all the time. And you start getting in shape. You can go, you can run. And we had no idea how long we were going to run. And the drill sergeant, we're like, how long, are you, how, how far are we going? And, they, and, you know, they're all buff and, you know, been running for years. And they're like, oh, we're going to run till I get tired. How many of you know that's not what you want to hear, right? So even though I was in shape and could do it, it was horrible because I had no, far, no idea how far that we we're going to go. We may go for an hour. We may go for four hours. I mean, literally, that's how miserable it was. So uh, that was hard. That was challenging. After I got out of that, I went into the Army Reserves for two and a half years. And let me just say, if you're not aware, you're only meeting one weekend a month. Uh, I'm not running all the time. I'm getting out of shape again and, and not used to it. And then two and a half years later, I went full-time active duty. Yes, that's how we ended up in Hawaii 
It was a rough duty station, but like I always say, someone had to do it. But we ended up there in January, less than two weeks later. Here I am. I'm not in shape, but all of a sudden we get told, oh, we're all going on the Aloha run. And I have no idea what that is. It is a, it, they still do it today. 8.15 miles, 13 kilometer race. And let me just say, it was challenging. However, it didn't seem as difficult as doing the runs when I was in shape. And the reason I realized it is, number one, you got people on the side cheering you on, right? Like, oh, yeah, you can do it. Not only that, what really made a difference for me is the mile markers. So as I'm running, it's like, oh, one mile. Oh, okay. You know what? I only got 7.15 left, you know, two miles, you know, and you keep running. And so for me, having the mile markers made me realize how much further I got to go. And I knew that there was an end in sight. So that was giving me that long-term perspective where, whereas the runs in the military with the the drill sergeant, we're going to run till we get tired. I'm like, I have no idea how that is. I've already got a side cramp and we just started. Having that long-term perspective, how many of you know you can endure a lot more if you know how long it's going to be? If you know what's going to be on the other side. And I just want to say this, because Jesus endured the cross to make a way for us, listen, we can endure the challenges of life because we know what lies ahead. We can do it, right? Let me just say, you can do it. Jesus is waiting for you. We can have joy in the most difficult things because, again, just like the Thessalonians, we're not living for this life, we're living for the next. It's not just all about right here. I know uh, life on earth may not be going as you expected, right? You don't have to raise your hand for that. But how many of you know you're not here that long anyway? 70, 80, 90 years, even if you live to be 100, in light of eternity, we are only here. What does it say in James? Just a brief, brief mist, right? A vapor that appears for a while. So we have to not only have long-term distance, but we need to understand uh, joy comes from eternal perspective. Listen, live life. Yes, live life on this earth. Do the things God called you, but understand we got a home in heaven. We've got something even better. Uh, I remember a number of years ago after, remember, how many of you remember the Haiti earthquake back around 2010? It was horrible. It was devastating for that poverty-stricken island already. And, uh, and I was able to go in 2011, just one year after that, with a convoy of hope. Uh, almost a quarter million people died in that earthquake. You guys realize that? It was horrible. I mean, the homes were like, you know, they crumbled at a strong wind. So that earthquake, 32nd earthquake killed 220,000 people. That's crazy. When we got there a year later, the orphanages were packed because most of the kids had lost their parents through that earthquake. There were still large parts of the city, no electricity, no running water. The roads that were already bad were even worse. They, they didn't even just have potholes. They had craters in their roads. It, it was horrible. It stunk. Uh, I can't even describe to you the smell, the poverty. And, and I just kept thinking to myself, how do people live in this? How, how many of you have been to a place where you just thought, how do people live in that? And, and then I, I would realize, you know what, I'm only visiting. I wasn't going to be here that long. I knew that in a few days I'd get back on a plane, back to my air-conditioned car, fresh water, fresh electricity, and, and I understood my situation was only temporary. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I felt a lot of compassion, uh, but I kept thinking, man, when I get home, I'm getting a big cheeseburger. Right? I mean, I'm not kidding. My own bed, my pillow, my air conditioning, all of that stuff. Can I just say, do you guys realize that, that you're just visitors here on earth? We're only here for a short time. 
And so we can't live life like this is all there is because there's something more that God has for us. We're just passing through. Our real home is in heaven. When you get there, listen, we have earth. How many of you know it's not as good as heaven? Right. Look what Jesus said in Revelations. He goes, I, or John, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now amongst his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. What is that going to be like? Right? And then look what he says here. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. We should be excited about that, right? Right? When we're struggling with joy, we've got to realize, you know what? This isn't my home. When I'm stuck in that traffic, leaving Monterey, instead of getting all worked up, I'm like, you know what? This is all temporary. This is all going to pass, right? It's not my home. I believe that's why Paul could say this verse to the Thessalonians who are being persecuted and suffering, always be joyful. Yeah, I know you're going through some stuff. I know you're going through some trials. And I know those situations are trying to break you wide open. But you can be joyful. Don't stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. What an amazing thing. Listen, how many of you ever struggle with what God's will is? Look what he says. For this is God's will for you. I, I've heard people, I just don't know what God's will is. I don't know. Well, it's right here, right? God's will is that you would always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. And again, not for all circumstances. Like if your car blows up, I'm not like, oh, God, that was so wonderful. No. <laughs> but we can be thankful in it, in the situation. Amen. That's his will for us. Uh, and you think, well, how, how could that be God's will? What could God possibly accomplish through my troubles? And, and, uh, and I've heard people say this. What's wrong with me griping, you know, or complaining, or whining, or getting angry, whatever it is? How many of you realize people are always watching you? All right, people are watching you. Family, coworkers, friends. They hear you talk about your faith and trust in God. And they're watching and they're waiting. Because uh, the reality, anybody can be happy during good times, right? But I believe that people are watching to see if your faith will stand the test of adversity. Amen. Amen? Is your God big enough? Is your commitment strong enough to carry you even when everything is falling apart? Is He there? Is your faith solid? Or do you have one of those convenient when everything is going right faith? Oh, I have faith. Everything is going good. Oh, no, everything's bad. I'm leaving God, right? I, I can't tell you. I've seen it. Our faith and our trust in Him, I believe this is best demonstrated in those hard times. It's like, wow, you really commit. Our, your testimony is proven when it's... How many of you know, you, we've heard this, you can't have a testimony without a test. Otherwise, you'd only have a money, right? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. So the fruit of the Spirit, I believe that it shines brightest in those dark times. And so this is uh, the last fill-in in your notes. God will you go. He always had that joy. And, and it was so unusual that people took note. Like, what is wrong with you? And he's like, I love the Lord. I've got a home in heaven. I believe that God will use our trials as proof that we are, have a faith in him. Amen? Amen? Amen. I believe that God wants us to have a trial-proof faith. Right? I believe he wants us to have a persecution-proof faith. Not so that, uh, uh, because listen, we're not really persecuted in America. How many of you know there are other countries they really are? We don't know what lies ahead for America. I don't know if you have paid attention, but our nation is becoming more and more anti-Christian. 
It's becoming more and more. What is another 10, 20 years going to be? We don't know. And so I better have a faith that's strong enough that when adversity hits, I'm still standing. Amen? Amen. Amen. We need to choose to experience and demonstrate that fruit of joy, right? Let me just say this. Does that mean you're always going to be happy? (laughs) No. Wouldn't that be nice, right? Again, happiness comes and goes. Good situation, happy birthday. How many of you know you never sing joyful birthday to people? You sing happy birthday, right? Because it's like, oh, I'm happy. How many of you know a little kid, he can be happy when he gets his cake, but when he opens up the present he didn't really want? All of a sudden, and I love it, Levi, uh, at two years old, if you give him clothes, he doesn't even care. He just throws those out of the way, right? That's not what I want. So uh, you're not going to always be happy, but I can guarantee that you have a God who's gone before you. He's preparing a place for you. I guarantee you've got a God that will stand with you in the most difficult times, that, that he will use your joy in the difficulties to be a witness to somebody else. Amen? Joy comes from following him. And let me uh, get ready to conclude with this verse right here. Psalms 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may last through the night. What is he saying right there? Is you may have some difficulties. Yeah, joy comes in the... You may be going through difficulties. You may be going through challenges. And it may bring weeping. Weeping doesn't always look like joy, does it? But if you know that God is with you, then you can understand, hey, joy's coming. I know this is only a challenge. I'm going to struggle through it, but I know the joy's coming because I know that God is with me. You know, what does it say in uh, uh, Psalms 23? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. How many of you know we're all going to walk through that sometimes? But guess what? He is with me. Therefore, I will not fear. I'm not going to get caught up in all of that. Yeah, I'm going to go through it. and, And you may go through knees knocking sometimes, but remember, he's with you says, his rod and his staff, they comfort you. So weeping may last, but guess what? Joy's coming. We need to be the people that are filled. And, and I would never encourage you to say, oh, okay, just, just fake it. I don't think fake joy works, right? Anybody ever try that? <laughs> it's like you're smiling, but you're not really smiling, <laughs> right? No, God wants to do the real work in you. So it comes from a surrendered heart. Say, God, I I want you to begin to help toughen up my shell and yet keep me soft on the inside still. Amen? We don't want to get hard-hearted, but we don't want to be so susceptible to the circumstances of life that it just cracks us. Amen? Amen? Can I have everybody stand? All right, well, we're going to pray, and then we're going to close with this song. Make sure before you leave, everybody gets an almond joy. And men, take, uh, whether you're a dad or not, dra- grab two or three things from the bucket. The people that missed today, guess what? They missed. That means their loss, your benefit. So take several things out there. And we're going to close. I want to close in prayer first. So uh, can I just have everybody bow? Thank you, Lord. Father, you are the joy. Lord, the, your word says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Father, when we don't have strength, Lord God, if we can have joy, Lord, you give us strength through the trials and the circumstances of life. So, Lord God, I just pray that over each one that is here today. Lord, those that are watching online, Lord, those that may be watching at a later time, Lord, I just want to declare your joy. Lord, let us begin to walk in it. Lord, you've not called us to fake it. Lord, it's a real thing that your spirit develops in our life. So, Lord, I just, I just speak that, that fruit of joy over each one. 
Lord, let it begin to grow. Let us remember you are with us, Lord God. You will never forsake us. And Lord God, you're going to see us to the other side. So we can rejoice in that. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. 